Lord said to celebrate perpetually throughout all the generations, right? So uh, even though we think of a Passover time as the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, this feast is so rich, and there are so many things in this feast period of time. You know, perhaps, perhaps there's a people out there who are going to celebrate Easter, right, by just getting together and having a ham with their family or, you know, searching for some Easter eggs or something like that. It's so much more than that. And there are certain seasons and times in the Lord where there's an elevated presence and there's an elevated anointing and there's a, there is faith for new hope and faith for new things. And for me, this is one of the seasons that my faith just... Uh, continues to rise up for who he is and what he said he was going to do and the prophecies in his life. Amen? We remember, right, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Can you imagine 400 years being oppressed, being discouraged, wondering when are things going to change, wondering is tomorrow going to be any different than today, right? And being oppressed and not sure what the future is going to hold. And then God says, to a certain individual, he said, now is the time. And he said that I want you to hold a feast to, I want you to hold a feast because this is the season of the new year, right? He said, this is the month that's to be a new year to you. That's what God said. God told his people that he wanted that month to be a demarcation of the past, right? and a beginning for something that he was going to do. He wanted there to be a separation. So if God wants this separation, if God wants to create something brand new, and he said, this is the beginning of the year for you. This is the beginning of something brand new that I'm doing in the earth. You know, perhaps you have been through trials and you're wondering, when are things going to be different? When are things going to change? When are things going to be new? Well, this is the season of time where God's promises and God's Word comes to install itself because His Word says that it doesn't go out and return void, right? Like the snow and the rain coming down out of heaven, so too is my Word that goes out to accomplish what He intended to accomplish, right? So God is releasing His Word in the day that we're in about the feast. Passover was originally a feast about deliverance. Do you remember the children of Israel coming out of Egypt with a strong and mighty hand? Can you imagine millions of people being delivered from the strongest nation? From military, from guards, from Roman soldiers. How is, things, how is that possible? Well, maybe you're thinking... Well, it's been a long time in my life. I don't know how it would be possible. God is the God of the impossible. Amen? God, the, the, the feast of Passover was a, a, a celebration. It was a, a place originally feast for those who delivered by the direct obedience to God. Did you know that you have a part in this? We don't just get to sit back and, and hit the one-minute button on the microwave, right, and experience the change. Because the Israelites in those days had something very specific that they were told to do, right? Yeah. Do you remember all of the plagues and the things that came? But what was the last plague? The last plague was the plague that said God would be the last one. 
And it was the plague of death. He said, when the angel passes over, he's going to go into every single community, every single building, every single place. And the firstborn among men and beast were going to die. Can you imagine? Can you imagine experiencing the plagues that have just taken place in the weeks prior to this? And now the man that is speaking for God is saying, this is a plague of death. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the anxiety? Wait a minute, I've been experiencing death for 400 years. I've been experiencing death for a long time. My heart is heavy and I'm not sure what the future is going to bring. And now this man's saying there's going to be a plague of death. Where every firstborn, and perhaps you were the firstborn, perhaps you were the oldest in your family, <clears throat> said man and beast. And then he says, select the Passover lamb. Select a lamb. Now the lamb could be from the sheep or the goats. Had to be a young lamb. Had to be without blemish, right? He said, select. For, for what? Why? We understand that there are types and shadows of the things that happen in God's Word that happen over and over and over again through a, in a different time through a different people. And we are that people in today's time. And, G, and God says, select a lamb. Now we're coming up to selecting the lamb tomorrow. And the next day. We're selecting the lamb. What does the lamb represent? Blood sacrifice. God says, when you kill the lamb, take some of the blood and apply it to the doorposts and the mantle. And he said, every single place where I see the blood, I will not allow the death to come to that house. So there was a separation here between those who knew God and obeyed versus those who didn't. Now, not, all, not everybody believed that, and they didn't obey. And it says that there was a cry throughout the land that has not happened since. There was death. But where God sees the blood, so let's bring it to today, Jesus Wherever God sees His Son, wherever God sees the blood of Jesus, wherever God sees the relationship between you and His Son in that place, He recognizes the blood. So there isn't a place where we're left hopeless, where we're left without hope, where we're left without faith, where we're left without anticipation. Remember, Jesus went to the cross and He went into the depths of hell and He took the authority that the devil had stolen. It says he took the keys of hell and death and he ascended triumphantly on high and he presented himself in the courtrooms of heaven before the Father alive. And he said, I've just redeemed and restored the intentions of the Father to have relationship with his sons. That's the season that we're in. That's the season where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. This is the season where we celebrate a separation. The Passover represents deliverance from everything in the past, declaring a new beginning. Remember the plagues. Remember where we're at. 
And we don't go into this Passover just wanting to fulfill an event. No. I'm hoping to see the same signs and wonders that were available in that day today. I want to see people healed. I want to see hearts change. I want to see the strongholds of the past, the discouragement, the anxiety, the disappointments, the depressions. I want to see God deal with the enemies of God. I want to see the Word of God released into our lives today. And that's what I'm believing for in this feast. We can come together and we can miss what's in the heart of God. We can come together and we can say we did Passover. We can say we selected the lamb. We can say we've done the, 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 the seven days for the, um, for the Feast of Weeks. right? We can say we've done all that, but without experiencing it, without God coming to overshadow the people, that's what's in his heart. Yes. Will my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face? Right? Yes. That's what's in his heart today. That's what's in his heart. Do my people want to just experience an event? Or do they want to experience like they did in those days? No time to dwell and just sit back, right? Right? It's so easy for Christians to reach up to the microwave and press the minute button. And a minute later, we get to be fed. And a minute later, the hunger that's in her, we expect it's going to happen quickly. But in those days, they had to eat it and they had to eat the sacrifice in haste. They didn't have time to prepare. God says, tomorrow is the day. And so do you remember as the story went, they... They had the Passover meal in haste. It's a story that we experience deliverance from the past and by the mighty hand from, from the oppressors and from our accusers. New life because God said it was so. God said this is going to be the first month of the year for you, right? A year of new beginning means the old has passed by. A hope of freedom and a hope of freedom that comes responsibility. Are you prepared to walk into the new land under a new responsibility? There's new responsibility. A time of prosperity. Remember, God said to go and ask for gold and silver and the clothing. And it said they plundered Egypt and they came out of Egypt with the riches of Egypt. We forget, we just think that we're, we're, we're destined to live a life of need and want. But God is a God of abundance. God is a God of provision. God is a God who wants to fulfill the cry of every single heart. God is a God who wants to bring answers. He's a God who wants to bring change to the brokenness. And in this season of time, God is reminding us, this feast that we're entering, it's more than what we've become. It's more than what we have experienced so far. There are so many places in this feast that God wants to explode in your life. 
They weren't poor and destitute in coming out of Egypt. They were rich. They were seeing the signs and the wonders before them. They were seeing the things that they had only dreamed about happen in their life in real time. A time where God comes to reveal Himself in true power and demonstration. Do you know that you're being called to a higher place? Greater responsibility. It isn't the microwave one minute button. It's the responsibility of walking with Him of knowing Him, of listening to His voice, of doing what He asked to do. He's a covenant-making God that comes to overshadow the people and look to see whose heart is tender in this season of time that He reveals Himself. It's a time to seek repentance and humility. It's a time to let go of the past in places of the traps, right? In the places of offense, in the places where we've been hurt, the places where we've taken in bitterness, right? It's the bitter herbs. It's the Last Supper. It's a time to let go of the things that have accused us and the things that have hurt us and affected us. It's a time to let it go. It's a time to decide, I'm not going to let that pain and that suffering continue to grip my heart and to grip my emotions and grip the things that I'm supposed to be in God, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to let it go. It's not going to be easy. It's not a thing that you can do in three seconds and it's over. Sometimes you've got to walk through places and forgive and forgive and forgive and each time you do, it becomes a little easier to the point of deliverance where you can say, I no longer feel the same way towards that event or towards that person I used to feel. God has done a work. God has done a work. God has done a work. It's a time of tangible, visible miracles. It's time where God chooses to bless His people and deal with the oppressions of the enemy. Are you discouraged? Are you disappointed? Do you wish things were different? This is the season where God wants to reveal Himself and change the circumstances. Are there people in your life that you've been praying for that haven't yet come to know Him? Then this is the season where God gets to be revealed. Are you with me? This is a season where God reveals Himself to the people. Encounters in the upper room. Do you remember? Can you imagine if the disciples said, I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I'm going, I'm going to go back to Galilee, and I'm going fishing, and I'm going to take care of my family, and I'm going to do what I know I need to do, and I'm not going back. Jesus said, go back and wait. Jesus said, there's something more here that I want you to experience in order for you to fulfill the plan of the Father This is what you have to do. Wait a minute. Jerusalem represents the heartache and the pain. I just saw my my intimate personal friend who I'd spent years with crucified in a horrible way. And maybe your name is Peter. And something came out of your heart that even shocked you. He denied him three times. After spending all that time with Jesus, he said, I'll never, def- I'll never deny you. I'll go to the grave with you. But you see that there are things in each one of our hearts 
that God knows. And He's not offended by it. He's not put off by it. He has developed a course for you and I to follow that brings healing and acceptance and affirmation. So they go back to the upper room and they wait there. They didn't know what they were waiting for. They had no idea when it was going to happen. He just said, something's going to happen that's going to change the world. And they waited. And when the Holy Spirit came, it says tongues sat on each one of them. Do you feel like you're being left out? Do you feel like everybody's getting favor of God except you? Do you feel like you're the black sheep and some it's not going to happen? No. God says it tongues rested on each one. And so if we don't, he's a covenant-making God, meaning that there is responsibility that you have to fulfill the plans of God. If you don't go and do what he said, then you're not going to be in the right place at the right time. We can ignore it. We can just say, well, but there's something that God wants us to experience on such an intimate and a very personal level. Consider Mary. She was devastated, heartbroken. Perhaps some of you are going through the same things today, just not sure how things could ever be the same. The, the Jesus whom she loved was just crucified and killed, uh, exactly opposite from what they thought was going to happen. And their world was just destroyed, crumbled. The hopes and the dreams put into a, 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 a crucible and shattered And they're devastated. And then Mary goes to the tomb. And she doesn't understand. Where have you laid my Lord, the gardener? If you just tell me where you put him, I'll go and I'll I'll take him. And then Jesus said, oh, but Mary. And she recognizes his voice. Right? In the midst of despair and hopelessness. What do you mean? It's also a time of commissioning. A time where you get to walk in a greater authority and a greater anointing. A greater favor. A greater awareness of spiritual activity. A greater awareness of what is going on in heavenly places that you can understand and know how God is moving. And you also understand how the enemy is moving. Jesus came back and commissioned the disciples. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and I'm giving that to you. Go. And he sent them out. From that period on, they saw and experienced things that they hadn't up until that time. The very one who said, I've denied the Lord, there's no way that he would accept me back. I denied him three times. And I denied him in his presence. He heard me do it because he turned around and looked at Peter and then Peter recognized, oh, this is what he told me just a few days ago. And he was broken and he's feeling like I've messed up so big, this can never be righted, it can never be fixed. 
but the love that Jesus had for his people overrules the places where we're insecure and the places where we hurt and the places where we judge ourselves incorrectly. And he comes and he says, Peter, I'm talking to you personally now. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Asked him three times. He really wanted him to get it. Then you're still walking in my favor and I've still chosen you. I've still anointed you. I'm still, my faith is still in you. My hope is still in you to do what is written of you in the books of heaven that are in my Father's courts. I still believe in you, Peter. And that's what he's saying today to us. I still believe in you. You've messed up, but you've learned from it, and you've become stronger by it. Your character has been developed by it. You're more Christ-like because of it. And I believe in you. That's what he's saying. That's the message of heaven. Intentional pursuit that we heard about last week. He's intentionally pursuing you to bring you to a higher place, to commission you, to place his anointing and his favor on you again. It's a time where you'll experience peace in the midst of the storm. We're looking at all the things that are wrong. We're looking at things in our nation. You can turn on the news. You can turn on radios and go onto the Internet. It's all discouraging stuff for the most part. But in the midst of that, there's peace because Jesus said, When he came back and he revealed himself to the disciples in the upper room, he said, my peace I leave to you. Not the peace of the world, my peace. To quiet the hearts. It's a time and a season where those that were doubting, those that were unsure, those where their faith has been shaken, those who have said, I will never believe because it hasn't happened to me. I'm hearing the testimony of the people that I've spent months and years with, but it hasn't happened to me. I must be the black sheep. I must be the one that is on the outside. Thomas says, unless I see for myself, unless I put my finger in the nail holes and my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. There's just something inside of me that can't believe the reports of others. I need to see for myself. I need to know and understand. I need to touch the Lord again. I need to experience Him. Jesus says, okay. And He creates a situation and an event on a particular day and He reveals Himself and He says, Thomas, come here. Come here, Thomas. I'm here because I want you to see. And Thomas, that's where the doubting Thomas comes, right? We say, oh, don't be a doubting Thomas. Have you doubted? Has it been hard for you to hold on to the promises of God, of the Lord? The the prophecies that are, then God says, come near me. Come near me. I want you to touch me. 
I want you to experience me. I want you to know personally and intimately that my eyes are on you. I love you. Amen? So Jesus said again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now the power starts to come and be transferred to you, to me, to the disciples. Now all of a sudden, the authority that Jesus had as one man is being multiplied in the people, is being given freely to the people to do extraordinary things. They're being clothed with His presence, clothed with the Word of God, clothed with the plans of heaven. It's a time of supernatural prosperity. Maybe you've said, I don't know, I, I, I've got to prepare for my family and I'm going back to work. You know, I've hung out here a long time and it just isn't happening. And so some of the disciples went all the way back up into the region of Galilee and they started, they said, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back and, and supply the needs of my family. I'm going to supply the needs of the community of who I was. And they were trying to go back into an old place. Because that's all they knew. Sometimes we try and bring the things that used to work in the days of old into the present because that's all we know. But Jesus stood on the seashore and they fished all night long. In other words, they were in the dark. They weren't in the light. They were in the dark. They were working. They were, they were trying to, you know get their minds and their hearts to think about something else other than the tragedy that they just walked through. Jesus stands on the shore, and he said, Have you caught any fish? Well, no, we haven't. They didn't know it was him. No, we haven't. Jesus said, Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Oh, my gosh. We're tired. We're worn out. We're, you know, this has been a long night. But they did. And the Word tells us that they caught a net of fish that was so big that they had to have help pulling it in. Huge. There's prosperity that is coming in these days. There's provisions that come in these days just by being with Jesus. I'm believing that there's going to be breakthrough in this season of time. We're believing for the Cornerstone Community Building, right? We need a million bucks. Is that hard for God? No. No. I'm believing that those things are set in order. I'm believing that there are warehouses in heaven full of the things that the people of God need. Are you with me? It's a time to look forward and a hope in Jesus to receive His peace, Right? John says, John chapter 14, verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while I was present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave to you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, 
do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let your hand be afraid. We started off this morning, he's saying, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I want to do a work in you that takes all fear and puts it where it belongs. It's not in your heart. I didn't create you as a temple to live and walk in my presence to hold on to fear. It doesn't belong in your thoughts. It doesn't belong in your heart. It doesn't belong in your reasoning. It doesn't belong in the, in, into the strategic things that He wants you to do every day. Yeah. And He's not mad that we're walking in fear. He's just simply saying, acknowledge it. And reach out because I want to change it. I want to make it different for you. I want to make it exciting for you. I want to make it supernatural for you. I want to make it so that when you pray... You're going to see the fulfillment of the desires of heaven, the desires of the throne room of the Father released. That you're not discouraged and disappointed. That's the season. That's what Passover means to me. It means there's a God of heaven that comes, that made a covenant with me, that gave me His Word that gave me His promise. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through trials. That means that you're not going to be tested. He says, I test everything that's mine. But He did say, He started out the service this morning that says, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And He started the service last week by saying, I'm intentionally pursuing you. It's not haphazard. It's not by chance. And then we also had the word, what are you pursuing? What are people going to remember about you? What are people going to recognize as the woman with the alabaster jar that anointed Jesus that that says in the words, wherever this story is told, that is going to be told. You see? You don't have to be afraid. This is the season of time where things are done that brings us into higher and greater anointings. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly, He's the God of suddenly. He's the God of suddenly. It says suddenly He came. Suddenly He came through the locked door. And came into the upper room and showed himself. Suddenly, he was walking beside two people on the road to Emmaus who they didn't know. Suddenly, he was on the seashore watching, watching his friends fish and try to do something of their own strength and their own abilities. Suddenly, he reveals himself. These are the days of suddenly. These are the days where you don't have to wait for more years and more months and more prayer and more fasting and more religious things all bringing to... It's not that. These are the days where relationship comes. The presence of Jesus to fulfill what is written about you in the books of heaven. Amen? And suddenly... As a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole place 
of the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them. All this would have been missed if they didn't obey the word. All this would have been somebody else's experience. I don't want God to pass any one of us by. I want God to fulfill what His plans are for that building, Cornerstone Community. I want Him to fulfill what He's prophesied over individuals, over this region, over this community. I want to see God move in such a way where 3,000 souls were added to their number in one day. Passover is so much more than what the world gives it. It's about miracles. It's about hope. It's about Jesus restoring through His own sacrifice the way for me and the way for you to get a hold of the Father. It's about putting death where it belongs in the past discouragement where it belongs in the past, unbelief where it belongs in the past. Not one of the disciples besides the one that was assigned to do what he needed to do. There's also death, right? Judas hanged himself. Hanged himself. God didn't send a lightning bolt down. God didn't send the guards after him. He hanged himself. But all of the rest of the disciples were restored to him. Even the ones that doubted. Even the ones that said, I've denied him. I've, I've crossed a line and there's no way he would accept me back. Nope, he restored every single one of them. Because of his love. And because of his mercy. And because of the word that is written about you before the foundations of the world. You have a destiny to fulfill. You're being called to a higher place of greater responsibility. Will you respond? Will you obey? It's going to mean walking outside of your comfort zone, outside of your ability to fulfill yourself. Right? They tried to go fishing amongst themselves and caught nothing. Has your life been kind of empty for years and it just, you bring it home and it gets blown away? Well, we're entering a season of time where humility and meekness and gentleness, where God recognizes the heart and draws you up to a higher place. Out of the mucky mire and out of the things that aren't, aren't witnessing about who He is. Into new beginnings. And so as we gather next Friday, right? So we're selecting the Lamb. You're deciding in the selection of the day that we're in, you're deciding that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is the perfect Lamb for you. You're making a decision as you, as you are thinking about selecting a Lamb. What can I offer God? What can, where can I get a Lamb and sacrifice it that God will accept? That Lamb is Jesus Christ. And so as you're thinking in these next couple of days, Jesus, I receive your blood. And I apply it to every shortcoming, 
every discrepancy, every sin. I let go of every single place where I had held others in bondage of unforgiveness. And as we're walking through a season of time of getting leaven out, the, the sin, right? Cleaning our house in preparation for the worship, preparation for the day of Passover, where the death does not come to our life, it goes to our adversaries. And God draws the line and says, you can't continue anymore. This line you cannot cross. As you cross the Jordan, as you cross into the promised land, you'll have greater responsibility. I keep saying that. It isn't the microwave scenario where we just get to sit in the glory of God and do absolutely nothing. He's calling us to a place of greater responsibility. Greater faith. And it's that by knowing Him that we're able to demonstrate who He is to the people who don't know Him. Amen? Keep your heart tender. Seek unity. Forgive the offenses that are against you. Pray and trust in His Word. And as we come together on Friday of this week, right? We're getting together on a Friday for potluck. Uh, starts at like 5.30, so we're going to have the potluck, and then we're going to have games after that, so about 6.30 we'll start with the games. I think there's an Easter egg hunt that somebody is planning. So as we come together on Friday to just fellowship and share in His love, share in the celebration of Passover, right? Share in the celebration of resurrection life, share in the celebration that Jesus has restored the things that were stolen, Amen. that we look for the signs and the wonders and the miracles. So come. Come with your favorite dish. Come with your favorite meal. We'll start at 5.30. Uh, games. I know uh, Jackie has got uh, some games planned for us. We can fellowship for a few hours, but we'll be done by 8.30 or so. So it's not like, you know, all night long. But come. Bring somebody. Share the evening with you. Peggy's doing the Easter egg hunt. Yeah, for the kids, to give the kids some things to do. Come on up, Jackie. Let me get the uh, microphone for you here, so give you a little bit of freedom to be tied to my pocket. So, yes, this is a, an exciting time for us. Um, but there are some upcoming dates. Um he talked about Friday, so the Easter egg hunt is at 4.30, potluck is at 5.30, and then games from like 6.30 to 8.30. So please invite the community. Um, the Easter egg hunt is not just for children. It's for big children, too. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have the, there'll be um, the ones for the adults and the big kids, they'll all be up high. <laughs> so we don't have to bend over. To get the ones on the ground. Those will be for the little kids. <laughs> um, also, coming up next Sunday, we are starting a new series called This is Love. It's not your ordinary Easter Sunday series. No, it's all about His love, His love for us, and how we can show that love for to others. And it's three parts, so it'll be April 21st, 28th, and then May 5th. 
And instead of this year doing the Passover dinner during midweek, we are having it um, on Friends and Family Sunday. So it's not a potluck on that Friends and Family this coming, the 28th. Um, but we will have the Passover dinner. So we'll have the lamb and the chicken and um, everything else. So we can invite the community to that also. Okay, so I do have some flyers here that you can post on your refrigerator. Okay, and and then we're going to give some to the food bank also, so they can um, put it out to the community. Amen. Norm, did you want to share? You know, there's another aspect to this very special season, and. Uh, Maybe we haven't thought about it in this way, but, you know, I, I've spent many, many years studying both uh, the Christian holidays and the Jewish holidays and how they match up and how the Jewish holidays make it so obvious what the Christian holidays are going to be. There's another holiday that takes place on Resurrection Sunday, and it is called the Feast of First Fruits. Now, the Feast of First Fruits represented the first of the three harvest seasons in Israel. Israel had three harvest seasons, barley in the spring, oats, and wheat later on. And so for this particular holiday, they were required to come to the temple and bring their best offering, their first fruits. You know, they, they would go into their field and they would very carefully, we talked about selecting. They would select a sheath of barley to bring to the temple. And that would be their offering. Now, what's the significance of that for us as believers in Jesus? Very much so. Because the first fruits, we as believers, we're the first fruits. We are the first fruits, and we present ourselves at this time of year, and we present to him as his, our best offering is to him in ourselves. We can bring sheaves, we can do this, we can do that, but the thing he wants most is ourselves. And so we present ourselves during this time. The holiday also represents a a benchmark, as uh, John said. The past is here, and now the future. The Feast of First Fruits now leads into something called the Feast of Weeks, which is the seven weeks that count up to Pentecost. That's the Christian word. It's Shavuot uh, in, in Hebrew. Fifty days later. Fifty days, actually 49 days after... Uh, the uh, feast of uh, uh, after the feast of uh, first fruits, and during that particular time, the people. Now you have to remember, Israel was an agricultural country. I mean, for its first five or six, seven hundred years, thousand years, it was agriculture, and everything revolved around what growed, what grew, and what you could glean and what you could get. So what they would do during these 50 days 
is they would go out into their field and they would check to see how the next crop was doing. They'd look to see what, you know, is it, you know, because we had, we had our Feast of First Fruits. We brought the, we brought the things to the, to the temple that we were supposed to bring. So we want to be sure this is coming to pass, that we're not going to be let down, that God is going to provide. And so it leads up to seven weeks later, 49 days, 50 if you count the day of first fruits, which in Hebrew is Bikurim. It then leads to what happened on that day, the greatest day of evangelism. 3,000 people, as Sean said, 3,000 people heard in their own language. Now, I have to remember, during these feast times, people would come in from all over the area. You know, and they would speak different languages, but those 3,000 people heard the gospel message in their own language. Now, it wasn't just 3,000 people. Back then, we never counted women and children. I'm not being chauvinistic, but that's how Bible was. So for all we know, there might have been five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people who became believers, became disciples. And so what I want to leave you with is it's a time of preparation. It's a time of reevaluation. But also remember, you, we are his first fruits. We are his best offering. And so think about that as you go about your business during the week. We are his best offering, and we need to let people see that because that's what God wants to see in us. So I do pray that we'll have a great Easter. I'm looking forward to that series, uh, This is Love. And uh, that should be very, very interesting. I mean, it's, it's different. And uh, I pray that you can bring your friends, ask the community. Let's, get some, let's, get, let's fill these seats up so that people can really hear what, what, God, what God's love is like. I thank you. Any other announcements?